linebacker came free. Saw him at the last minute and lunged and blocked him and knocked him out of the way and the quarterback completed the pass. And I came to the sideline and Dicker grabbed me by my shoulders and looked me in the eye and he says, that's a football play. He said, son, if you keep doing that, you're going to be fine in this league. Hey, now it's cracking. Welcome to the Jim Rome Podcast, episode 279, where this week I'm chopping it up with a Heisman Trophy winner, a Texas Longhorn legend, a two-time unanimous All-American, an All-Pro, a Pro Bowler. He ran for over 10,000 yards in the NFL. Of course, I'm talking about the one and only Ricky Williams. Very few people have ever put together a football resume like Ricky's. And the wild thing is, he might be more proud of what he's accomplished since he retired than what he did on the field. And what he did on the field was pretty amazing. This is just a one-of-a-kind dude. It's an episode which you do not want to miss. I am fired up to drop this on you. So let's get right to it. It is episode 200. And 79 with Ricky Williams, and it's coming at you right now. Ricky, my man, it is always great to get a chance to catch up, chop it up. How are things with you? And I'm just going to jump right in. What is your primary why in life right now? What's going on? Oh, wow. Starting off with the big, the big question. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, my why is I wake up every morning passionate about building something. You know, I, I learned to uh, I learned to code a little bit the past couple of years, and it's the first time in my life that I've had some I've had a skill where I actually I can take an idea in my head and turn it into something that people can use. And so my why is just being creative, taking what's in my head and creating things that that people can find can find use from. I'll tell you what, I absolutely love that. I love that. I didn't know that you were doing that per se, but how important is it then to have that why, to have that purpose, to have that intention, to have that reason that when your feet hit the ground in the morning, you do have an intentionality? Yeah. No, I think it's important for everyone, but I think after playing professional football for, for a decade, it becomes a necessity because that habit gets drilled into us, you know? We, we had a strength coach and every day, you know, he's like, he's an ex-Marine and he's like, you know, juiced up on Red Bull. And every day he start, he'd start practice. He'd start warmups with, you know, every day is a beautiful day and every woman's a 10. And the kind of energy you have to bring on a daily basis to compete at that level, if you don't have something to replace it, I think a lot of guys, you know, it's life is too, too dull because we have that comparison all the time. I mean, Ricky, it's so true, right? Like, I talk to athletes about this all the time. Not only that, not only that strength coach who's up in your grill and telling you, man, get after it. It's a great day. Every woman's a 10. But, like, when you're a high-level athlete, you've had that structure in your life, but you've had a structure that's been imposed upon you, and you've had people to tell you what to do, where to be your entire life, and then all of a sudden, it's just snatched, right? It's all of a sudden, it's not there, and then you have this time, and you don't really know what to do with it. Like, what was it like for you when all of a sudden, you always had to be somewhere at this certain time, and then you didn't? Then you could do whatever you wanted and be wherever you wanted, whenever you wanted. What was that like? You know, it it took me a while, but... You know, I, I joke and I say I had a dry run. So 2004, I retired early and I had a year to to not do anything. And because I wasn't forced out, I walked away, you know, that I, it was easy for me to go and explore and try to find things that were truly important to me. 
And so when I came back for the second half of my career, I had found my why. And I had spent the off seasons and all my free time really chasing it. So for me, when I retired the second time, I hit the ground running because I, I already had preparation that I knew. I knew what I wanted to do. I found my passion. But that's why I think I was lucky to walk away early because I think if I would have been done at 34 and I hadn't had that year away, I'd have been stuck. I wouldn't have known what to do or where to go, but I would have had this hunger for some kind of action and activity and structure. All right. So you've learned to code and you've been really creative like that. But in addition to it, you're also killing it in the cannabis industry with your Heisman Cannabis brand, which was launched earlier this year. I love the name of the brand. I think it's clever as hell. Tell me about that particular venture. What is the mission behind Heisman? Uh, it's it's funny, you know. Like when I was a kid, I didn't plan that my business would be I'd be selling drugs. You know, it was kind of it was right. kind of the opposite. But the, the way my story unfolded, I realized that it's 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 not a story about selling drugs. You know, it's a story at the bottom of it about believing in yourself, even when other people don't. And to me, yes, you know, we talk a lot about cannabis and we offer it because it helps open people's minds. But really, it's a message of be yourself and trust yourself. And I think, you know, cannabis is out there and so many people, especially if they're caught up in the old stigma, then it is they do use it like a drug. And I think with my story and my message is showing people how to be more mindful with their cannabis use. To me, it's like do the things that you really enjoy doing and maximize the benefit of it. Because what I found is feeling good. Uh, it's medicine. It's medicine. So anything I can do to help people feel good and be their best, I'm all, I'm all about it. You know, Ricky, go back to the point you made about you tell people and that it's all about believing in yourself. You've got to believe in yourself. I mean, you were a super high level athlete, an elite running back, a great, great player. Did you feel like people did not believe in you? When did they not believe in you? Well, they didn't believe me when I was doing anything other than running the football. Hmm. And, and I understand, like, if someone knows you, especially you're famous for one thing, it's difficult for people to envision you being something else, especially if in their mind, that one thing is so different. And I think, you know, it's I love the fame, but I feel like it pigeonholed me and it, it blinded a lot of people to other skills and abilities that I had. And that was probably the most painful thing about being a football player is I felt invisible in, in, a, in a certain sense. And so when I got in trouble and I kind of broke free from that image, I felt free that I could just be myself. And I wasn't trying to fit a role. And to me, that felt better because I think a role model isn't someone that is good at pretending they have their shit together. A role model is someone that is figuring it out in front of you and they figure it out. And I think that inspires people to deal with their shit. Hey, Ricky, don't most people don't have their shit together? They're just better at hiding it than a lot of other people. I mean, are we not, I don't want to say all of us, but the majority of us not dealing with something, others just mask it better. So we look within and we think, man, we're all fucked up. When in reality, there's a lot of people that are having a lot of issues. Yeah. I and mean, I call it, especially now with Instagram, you know, it's like we have friends and we'll see them on Instagram and they'll come visit us, you know, and they're miserable. And they spend all their time pretending on Instagram. And so to me, if People talk about mental health. To me, if you have a mental health issue, it means that you're alive and you're trying. You know, is that we all have stuff, right? None of us have perfect parents. None of the world's not fair, right? We all have stuff to deal with. And to me, the courageous ones and the ones that are worth spending any time with are the people that are actually courageously working on their stuff. 
Man, it's so true. Like Instagram especially. Like I'm not here to crack on social media, just to crack on social media. Although, man, it's a cesspool. A lot of it is just such <laughs> garbage, right? A lot of it is so bad. Now, there's a lot of positive in it. But, I mean, the comparison game, we talk about this all the time, Ricky. The comparison game is like the worst thing ever because you're comparing yourself to an ideal based on what you're seeing on Instagram. When you know what you're seeing on Instagram, and a lot of times, it's just bullshit, right? Yep. You know, when I talk to athletes, especially older athletes, you know, I talk about how, you know, we're the we're the heroes, okay? We're the ones that people are looking up to. And if we keep buying into this myth that we have to pretend we have everything together, we're not inspiring anyone. And it just helps other people that follow us to keep doing the same thing. And I think we have this golden opportunity because the reality, any athlete that's done anything, they've had to overcome their own inner blockages to be able to achieve at that level. And whether it's a physical blockage or a mental blockage, it's the same idea that you have to push through it. And I think that's a more inspiring message for athletes to put out into the world. I mean, Ricky, it's so true and it's so powerful coming from an athlete. But the problem is, you know this as well as anybody, it's like the fabric of the thing, right? It's the culture of the thing. From day one, you're taught show no emotion, be tough, availability is your best ability, never let them see you sweat. Like you can't be vulnerable, but in reality, if you want to lead and you want to mentor, that's the best way to do that by being real and being raw and being authentic. But how long is it going to take for that to change when it has been hammered in since day one, that you're not supposed to show any of that vulnerability. Yeah, it's coming. You know, I think the fact that now on football teams, you can have discussions about these things. And, you know, as the older people die off, right, the the, the new upstarts come in and hopefully they're more open-minded and, and create a safe space to grow. Because what I've realized is football is a great place to become a leader. You know, and it teaches you the toughness and to deal with adversity and to work with the team. If they can find a way to integrate the vulnerability and learning to take care of each other. And the good coaches do. Right? If you're if you're sitting in a, in a team meeting with a, a good coach like Belichick or Coach Saban, they're talking about these things. You know, they'll 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 counter them with toughness because you have to be tough to do this. But they also counter with you got to take care of each other. You got to love each other. Let me talk to you for a moment about one of my favorite products ever, HelloFresh. What is HelloFresh? What it is is farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. You can skip trips to the grocery store. You can count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable, and that's why it's America's number one meal kit. Kickstart a fresh fall routine with HelloFresh. HelloFresh handles all the meal planning and shopping to deliver everything you need to cook up a tasty meal right at home. They do the hard part, and you get to take credit. And when it comes to options, honestly, more is more. That's why HelloFresh's menu includes 40 recipes and over 100 add-on items to choose from every single week. I love it. Comes right to the doorstep, all these tremendous ideas and great meals. Find out for yourself. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Rome. Use the code 50Rome for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. Once again, HelloFresh.com slash 50Rome. Make sure to use the code 50Rome and get 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. HelloFresh.com slash 50Rome. 
You know, it's interesting that you mentioned those two guys. I would have thought, for instance, that maybe, maybe, maybe the super old school guys like Nick Saban and Bill Belichick might not be as in tune with some of the newer ways of thinking with some of these younger coaches that are so good about building rapport and having relationships. But you think those two guys kind of understand and they have evolved. Do you think that they relate well to today's players and issues? Oh, 100%, especially Nick. You know, it's Nick traveled, you know, when he when he came to us from from LSU, he traveled with the sports psychiatrist, you know, and he had a lot of the guys t- meeting with them and talking to him. And I think these coaches realize that you can push the players harder if they know that you really care about them and you look out for them. And I think that's the way to truly connect to the guys is the guys just need to know that you care. And once once you got that, most guys will run through a wall for their coach. Ricky, did you like you sound like you sound like you're in a really good headspace? Did you have to make peace? I mean, because your journey is so amazing. Did you have to make peace with the game? Like, were you ever at odds with the game and have to make peace with the game, or was that never an issue for you? I had to make I had to make peace with fame. The game was never game was never an issue. The game is easy, you know. Study the plays, follow your keys, and run hard. It's that simple, you know. It's, the game, that was, that was never a problem. But the fame and all the other stuff that came along with the game, to me sometimes, you know, that, that really bugged me a little bit. Right. So what was so challenging back in the day about the fame? What was hard about the fame? That, that you know, In my mind, you know, I envisioned myself being famous for being quirky, being a little bit different. And it took a while to get there. I got there finally, but it took a while. In the beginning, I was just weird. You know, and I think with fame, it takes a while for people to really see who's behind the mask. And it takes courage from the famous person to actually show those things when they're probably not going to be accepted the first go around. I mean, it's so different, right? Like I've always said, weird is good. Weird is good. I like weird. Sometimes weird is just weird, but generally I think weird is good. I could say that. And then I've always said this, Ricky, too, about we don't really know any of you guys. I mean, based on what? A soundbite? It's a little bit different right now with social media, but then I would still bullcrap, call bullcrap on social media. So we don't really know you. We don't really know any of these people. I wonder if you had to do it all again right now, if it would go any differently for you right now as compared to back then when it comes to dealing with fame. Do you think? Of course. Uh, You know, there's so many more platforms like podcasts in ways ways to get my own personality my personality out there and so you know two things if i do it again i would have studied harder in college um so that i had something interesting to say as an athlete i think part of my thing was i had like half cooked ideas but i wasn't a very good student and so i I, they weren't useful ideas and it wasn't until i i grew up a little bit went back to school and really focused on educating myself that i was able to form coherent ideas that I can share with people. And so I would have taken my education more seriously and I would have utilized the platform. I think a big part of why I didn't like fame is because I was famous for running a football. And I, and I feel like, yeah, I worked my ass off, but that, a lot of that was God-given talent. I wanted to be known for my intelligence or something beyond my athletic ability. You bet. You were more than the guy under the helmet. You know, but then your career was so interesting. For instance, when Mike Ditka famously gave up the Saints draft capital, all of it, 1999, along with picks in the following draft, to move up to take you with the fifth pick overall, at that point, how much pressure did you feel to make an instant impact in New Orleans based on what they had given up to get you? No, I, I, I felt more of the pressure 
to to be a good professional athlete and and because of the pick it made it a little bit more complicated and i think that was the pressure that pushed me into negotiating my rookie contract the way i did you know the last thing i wanted to be was the player that that the saints drafted everyone for that was a bust and they wasted all of their picks and all of their money you know and so it, it Cause I, you know, I always had this vision as a kid that I wanted to be impressive, not necessarily for what I did on the field, but for how I carried myself as a, as a professional. And it was naive and it backfired horribly, at least in the beginning. But, but like I said, and eventually I, eventually I feel like I walked away from the game, 10,000 yards rushing and I did it my way. So I feel like I have positive stories to tell about my NFL career. Hmm. So, I mean, every great athlete wants to leave the game on their own terms. Do you feel like you were able to do that? Yeah, that was one of my goals is to to have an indefinite career. I just see so many guys crushed because nobody wants them anymore. You know, and when I when I called Coach Harbaugh to retire from the Ravens, you know, he he had expressed disappointment and said that one of their biggest mistakes the previous year was they didn't find a way to get me the ball more. So I felt like, okay, I'm still wanted and I can still walk away healthy uh, and passionate about getting on with my life. I mean, that is so, so important. What about, it's so, when you mention Nick Saban is somebody who gets it and progressive in thought, or you talk about a Bill Belichick, somebody who gets it and is progressive in their thought, what was your relationship like with Mike Ditka? Because Iron Mike was so intense and you were really competitive and you were really driven, but pretty chill. So what was your working relationship like with Ditka? Well, we, we had this special bond because the, there's something about me, people that have watched me play, that I was an old school player. And probably the, the highlight of my whole NFL career. And it wasn't, a, it wasn't a pretty game. It wasn't a good game. It wasn't a pretty season. It wasn't a good season. We were, my, my rookie year, we were 3-13. and 13, And I, I had a turf toe injury, so I missed four games towards the end of the season. And I was hobbled, and we had two games left. And so Coach Dick had called me in his office, and it was like that speech. You know, if there's ever a movie, if there's ever a movie on my life, this speech is going to be part of the movie, you know? And so, you know, I had ankle sprains. I was hurt that whole year. You know, he, he starts off the talk by saying, when I played, we didn't have high ankle sprains. You know? <laughs> he said, we just had to tape it up and get back out there, you know? And then he went into the life lessons about, you know, if you can count your friends on five hand. I mean, on, you can count your, your friends on, on the fingers in one hand. You have a good life. And then he went into my personal life. And he said, you know, he said, you're young, you're attractive, you got all this money. You have no reason not to be happy. You know? Then he went on to your teammates love you, but they don't understand you. And this is the thing about being weird. Is weird is cool and it's great. But when you're going to battle with someone or you're betting on a football game, you don't really want the athlete to be weird. You want him to be dependable. You want him to show up and be there all the time. And so he said, okay, you got two games left. And he says, all of this, the whole season is better if you get to a thousand yards, you know? So he's like, you got to heal yourself up and get on the field to make this right. Okay? So the next week we play the Cowboys who were going to the playoffs that year. And we upset, we upset the Cowboys and I had a decent game. So I was like 150 yards away from, from getting a thousand yards my my rookie year. And we go to the last game against a really good Carolina team. And and they're playing to get in the playoffs. And they beat the piss out of us. You know? I think I had like 14 carries for seven yards. So I wasn't even close. But there was one play in the game where we had a play action pass and the fullback missed his guy. And his linebacker came free. 
And I saw him at the last minute and lunged and blocked him and knocked him out of the way and the quarterback completed the pass. And I came to the sideline and Dicker grabbed me by my shoulders. Again, his last game coaching in the NFL. Grabbed me by my shoulders and looked me in the eye and he says, that's a football play. He said, son, if you keep doing that, you're going to be fine in this league. And that was, that was my moment. Can you believe we have had seven months without an NFL game? Crazy, right? Well, the good news is that's about to change. The NFL is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving you a can't-miss offer for week one. This week, new customers can get 200 bucks in bonus bets instantly when you bet just 5 bucks on any NFL game. DraftKings is hooking everyone up with game day greatness. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. Check out the app and see what you get. Download right now and use my code Rome R-O-M-E, to sign up. New customers can take home $200 in bonus bets instantly just for betting 5 bucks. You have to use the code Rome R-O-M-E, only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. You do have to be present in-state where it's lawful to wager. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text hope and Y four six seven three six nine in Connecticut. Help is available for problem gambling. Call eight 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 seven eight nine seven 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 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, twenty one plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. cdkng.co slash football for eligibility. Terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions to apply. God, isn't that amazing? Of, of all the, um, first of all, great story. Great, great story. But of all the moments, that moment, right? That that's the one that resonated with you. Why? Why? Because you held him in that high regard? Like, why was that the moment that resonated with you maybe most of all for your entire career? Because there was so much hype around me the way I came out that for someone like him to recognize my football IQ and that I was just a good football player, that's all I ever really wanted was to be appreciated for my skill. Mr. Ricky, like you, you were smoking pot, and I mean, you, you obviously did. Did you have like grave concerns about the sort of painkillers and the things that were doled out back then, and the way management saw the game back then, and medical people saw the game back then? I mean, were you questioning those things at that time when there were some really super powerful pharmaceuticals just being doled out like TikToks, like get back on the field? Honestly, I didn't start thinking about it until after I started smoking. Before it was nothing. I popped. You know, I was popping eight Advil a day to practice in college. And, you know, because you go, I mean, I was young. I was in my early 20s and I didn't know about my body. So I go to the doctor and every time they say the same thing, you know, ice, take these. And so that's what I did until I got an ulcer. I went to the doctor and, you know, I kept throwing everything up. And the doctor said, do you take Advil? And I looked and I said, I take a lot. He's like, yeah, you have an ulcer. And so that's when I started to say, okay, I need to find, because there's a lot of pain in football. I said, okay, I need to find other ways to take care of myself. And when I started smoking, it wasn't, no one was talking about medicinal marijuana. No one was talking about any of that. I just thought that it helped me chill and relax. And I didn't even notice that it helped my body feel feel better until I started getting off of the, the pharmaceuticals. Then I started to realize it's a different kind of make your body feel better. You know, when we take the indecent or the anti-inflammatories, I'll tell you, and I understand why guys do it. If you don't take it at practice, you feel like you're 84 years old. If you do take it, you feel like you're 12 years old. So it's it's a big difference. 
But when you, but when I started seeing what it was doing to my body, I had to readjust the way I thought about self-care and the kind of way I feel when I'd smoke is I'd want to start stretching and really feel my body more and help it feel better, not cut off my awareness to my body. And so again, one of the side effects of cannabis is it does open your mind and it gets you looking at things differently. And I'm glad it did because I don't know if my body would be in such good shape right now if I hadn't started taking better care of it. So interesting. Like, and, you know, obvious question, but if the league had been as forward thinking as you were, or even you just kind of found it upon yourself, but if the league was lenient then about marijuana use as it is right now, how different would your career and maybe even your life be right now? Uh, it'd, be, it'd be very different. You know, and it's, and it's funny, even the way we talk about the league as being lenient, you know, the league is, should be about the players. And I think it's such a brutal game. The league should take every reasonable means to help players take care of themselves. So I think it just would be a, a, a statement that the league actually cares about the, player, the players and gives them options for their own care. Um, and definitely, I think I would have been seen more in a positive sense as a leader and as an, as an icon and someone who you know, love the game, but also had interests outside of the game that were appreciated. And I think I'd probably be in the Hall of Fame because there wouldn't have been all of the stress. You know, there's one thing of missing games and missing years because of suspension. But even when I was playing, there was always so much stress and, and drama surrounding all the drug stuff that it took away from energy that I could have been using to be a better football player. I think that's so interesting what you just said because you were suspended five times in your NFL career and you missed two full seasons but to your point it's not just the time that I missed from the game when I was out there I was carrying so much stress so that was such a great inhibitor as well you know back to your point about the league the league should care most of all first and foremost about their players of course right that's their product so why don't they? Why? What was it just the stigma? Like it's okay to have all these opioids that are so addictive, but not pot. Definitely not pot. Is it just the stigma? Why didn't they care more or allow it? Well, I think it was it was the stigma. And I had a long talk with Coach Parcells about this when he was down in Miami. And he said like in the 80s, you know, it was really in the 80s, Coke was huge, right? And, and cannabis was was huge for the government, but really Coke was the big issue. And so for especially basketball, but for a lot of the leagues where they had a majority of African-American players, part of the drug program was to ensure fans that there weren't thugs playing in, the, in these leagues. And so at the time when they, when they started testing, I'm not going to say it was justified, but I, I can kind of understand. And I think as times have changed, it's just taking the leagues, especially the NFL, longer to, to adjust. And even the idea of the leagues should take care of the players, that's also a progressive idea that, you know, I, I'm glad that all the leagues are starting to, to do more of it because that's what you need for the longevity of the game and the dignity of the players is you got to take care of them. Clones, what do we want when we're craving protein or we need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. No, we want beef, pure and simple. So where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper beef jerky. Old Trapper is not your father's jerky, shriveled, dry, and tasteless. Old Trapper beef jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. So it's tender and it's tasty. It's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known 
known for their relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein, and it comes in four amazing flavors that satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest that goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. That way you can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? So, Ricky, what about, before you go, and I could do this all day long. This is so fun. I appreciate you. What about Bill Parcells? Like, I've always, on the outside looking in as a media person, I've always been fascinated by the guy, but I didn't play for the guy. Like, how did you view him? Was that just an old-school tough guy? Was there empathy there? A brilliant guy? Like, what's your overall take about Bill Parcells as a man and then a football man? Yeah, I mean, even just talking about him, I have, like, goosebumps. I get right. chills. Right, he's that you know, guy, right? He, yeah. You, never mind be like being one of the kids. Like, he's him. He's him. Yeah, he is. He, he's the real deal. So when he – and he was way late in his career. He was the president of the Dolphins. And I remember the first the, the first meeting, okay, we um, we were a, had a horrible team, and we knew the coach was out at the end of the year, and they brought Parcells in. And so we, I think we had, like, maybe two or three games left in the season. And he walks in the team meeting room, and he has this big binder with him, you know, and he drops the binder on the table and he says, this is the medical records from this team this year. He said, you can't you can't win ball games if, if you're in the training room. And he said, if you're in this book more than a couple of times, you're not going to be here next year. You know, and he started going through this list of all the people that weren't going to be around next year. And I had just come back from a suspension and I tore my pec the first quarter I was back. So I'm sitting there thinking I'm not coming back here. You know, and so. After the meeting, I have a, a letter on my locker that says Parcells wants to come see me. And I was like, damn, that was quick. And so, <laughs> wow. So I, I go up to his office and, you know, and he says, sit down. You know, and I sit down. And he's like, you know, I was like, I've been calling around talking to people about you, you know. And he said, I'm so happy to have you on this team. You know, and he went into how, you know, he wants me around. He thinks I'm going to be a great addition to the team. And so I was like, okay, I really like this guy. And then he would invite me to lunch and he just would tell stories and he really cared. Like he really took a personal stake, not only in my success on the field, but my success as a person. And I don't know, that really touched me. Two more, two more still Bill Parcell stories. Please. It was my, it's my, I think my 40, I think it was my 40th. I think it might've been my third, sorry, my 30th birthday. And I was, we were in OTAs and I was outside warming up for practice and he walks out and he has this little yellow post-it um, in, my, in his hand and he gives it to me. And this is, again, I've been suspended a couple of times and this is my first full season back after a couple of years of suspensions. And they only had to pay me a minimum salary because of everything I've been through. And he, and he walks over and he gives me a post-it and it says like 2008, like 4 million, 2009, 5 million, you know? And he's like, here. And I looked at it and I was like blown away. That was the contract negotiation. I didn't know we were negotiating, but he walked up to me on my birthday and gave me that, that post-it. Wow. And I was like, wow. 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 Yeah. And the final story was uh, 2009, um, Ronnie Brown and I split time. He was the tailback. A, I was tailback B. Uh, week 10, Ronnie has a bad foot in injury and I'm the new starting, like the only running back. And so I get to my locker that Wednesday and there's a gas can. There's a gas can sitting next to my locker, and I'm thinking, what is this? You know? And I, I don't know where it's going from. I'm just thinking, what is this? 
So I, I walk out of the locker room and Bill's walking next to me. And he looks at me. He's like, you got any gas left in that tank? <laughs> <laughs> Great. Dude, this guy. Hey, Ricky, yeah. is it me? or I, I don't know. Like, How unusual. First of all, I understand motivational tactics. I bet he had a million of them. But going back to that first thing about how he wanted to have lunch with you and just kind of kick it and tell war stories. I mean, does that seem unusual? Or I mean, it sounds to me like, dude, he loved you. He loved you. Yeah. Yeah. Why? You know, I thought it, I thought it was unusual at the time, but I, he's been around football for so long. And I think he understands on many levels what we go through. And I think when he sees someone who really loves the game, he can't he can't help himself. And listen, real recognizes real before you go. There's something on your website, Heisman.com, and it says that the brand focuses on, quote, an elite mentality that is defined by an appreciation for greatness, end of quote. Look, I think a lot of us are looking for greatness. You'd be the first one to say, well, it depends how you define greatness. However you define it, how has using cannabis helped you achieve greatness in your life? How could it help all of us achieve greatness in our life if people are skeptical? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's... I think to me, what stopped me from achieving greatness in my life were mental blocks. You know, I had a belief that certain things were a certain way. And I noticed that when I started consuming cannabis, it allowed me to put those beliefs to the side for a little while and really open my mind and, and tap into possibilities. And this is, I think, part of the the piece of cannabis that people laugh. You know, are you high? That's this crazy idea. That's stupid idea. Anyone that's truly successful, you know, I guarantee when you were young and you had this crazy idea being Jim Rome, right? It's those crazy ideas that really impel us and push us to greatness. And if we keep our lives small, right, we might be good, but we're never going to be great. Hey, listen, you're so right. I, I, I did have that crazy idea and I wasn't, you're right, I was not closed off. I was not inhibited. And I wonder, I wonder if I would have that same idea if I was starting today as I did back then, because back then you just believed, you believed, like you said, you had to believe in yourself. Hey, before you go, I try not to play favorites. I try to be straight up, but I'm going to tell you a guy that I love, and he hasn't played a single NFL down, and I love everything about this guy, and I know you know him and you've spent time with him. I love him on the field. I love him off the field. I'm talking about B. John Robinson. You know him well. What do you like most about his game, and how do you think he's going to fare in the NFL? First of all, that smile, man. Every time he's out, he's always upbeat. You know, even right after he got hurt, he's still he's still upbeat. You know what I love about his game is his ability to cut at full speed. You know, he's just he's just so explosive, both in space and when he gets into the open field. And I, I really love him in in Atlanta because they're a team that actually schemes the run game, and I know they're going to use him in the slot as an H back and everywhere. So I think they're going to. It's a great fit for him to get the most out of his ability. Hey, Ricky, do you, how do you feel about Texas against Alabama this weekend? And we keep hearing year after year, the Longhorns are back, they're back, they're back, they're back. Man, they are freaking loaded. Are they back, and how do you feel about them this weekend? Well, it's, you know, it seems like for the past several years, we've had an early game to, to prove that we're back. And we've gotten really close, especially last year. Uh, I think this is the year. And I, I flash back to 1995, the last year of Texas in the Southwest Conference. And Texas had been down for a while. Okay? My freshman year, we come in and we, we sweep the Southwest Conference and we, and we win the last Southwest Conference. Okay? This is Texas last year in the Big 12. Uh, I could see maybe Texas coming back and winning the Big 12. Uh, 
Fast forward the next year, 1996, we entered the Big 12 and we won the first Big 12 title. So who knows, right? Texas can finish finish fast, finish strong this year, go on into the SEC blazing with blazing saddles and surprise people. So that's my prediction and I'm sticking to it. That'd be a way to do it. That'd be a great way to go into that conference. So Ricky, tell me before you go, are you out and about in Phoenix this weekend? And if so, what are you doing? Where can the folks find you? What's going on? Yeah, so when I when I we we go into a market, I'll visit each market probably once a month, and I'll visit a couple of dispensaries. And really, when I visit dispensaries, they're like autograph signing shows. You know, there's a line out the door, and people bring their autographs, and it's cool because some of the people that come in have never been in the dispensary, but because they're fans, they come in for the first time. Um, but also, we're doing something different. So kicking off the NFL season at uh, a consumption lounge called the High Lounge in Tempe. And I'll just be hanging out, smoking, watching Sunday Ticket with anyone who wants to come and hang out. Hell yes, dude. I love that idea. When are you coming to Cali? I know, right? So I live in Cali. We're, we're, we're looking at consumption lounges down in L.A. Um, hopefully in the next six months, we'll, we'll, we'll settle in and, and get it started. All right, so I didn't know that. I'm not going to push you on it. I didn't know that you were actually out here most of the time, but I love that idea. Are you? Is there a specific location in Phoenix that you can direct people to this weekend? Yeah, it's called the High Lounge, um, and it's in Tempe. Got it. Ricky, listen, yeah. I appreciate you, and I always appreciate the conversation, man. It's always great to get caught up. You sound absolutely awesome. It's great to have you on this pod. I want you to know I appreciate that. That's like no small ask on my part. So thank you very much for making time. Great conversation. All the best, dude. Great talking to you. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. I enjoy it every single time. Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though. See terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com match. I'm telling you, nothing quite like chopping it up with Ricky. So my enormous thanks to him for making the time to stretch it out for the original side hustle. He truly was an athlete and a scholar and a thinker and way ahead of his time. He had a totally unique football journey, and now he's on a totally unique journey in his second career, which is why he is exactly the kind of guest and conversation that this very podcast and side hustle were built for. And there are so many more outstanding combos where that one came from in fact 278 of them to be exact give any one of them a spin every last one of them holds up and if you want to heads up the next time that an episode drops take a second and just hit subscribe and that way it will find you and you will not have to go looking for it and trust me you will not regret it again find the subscribe button smash that thing and i will catch you for episode 280 next week see you then